0: Welcome to Working Gratitude, real people, real gratitude at work, with your host, Darren Hollingsworth, Chief Gratitude and Accountability Officer at Odonata Coaching and Consulting. The Working Gratitude podcast was launched in 2012 to stimulate dialogue and conversation about research-based best practices of gratitude in the workplace and ways that gratefulness is expressed via philanthropy. These brief interviews with successful leaders from a variety of professional environments will encourage and inspire you and give you ideas about how you can start working gratitude. Thank you for listening to Working Gratitude. Now here's your host, Darren Hollingsworth.
1: Thank you for joining us today on Working Gratitude. Today, we turn the tables a bit. The lovely voice talent, Risa Page, who you hear at the beginning and end of our episodes, will be talking with me to work gratitude with our standard questions. My additional intention today is to share more with you about how Working Gratitude kind of came to be and why I think it's so important while answering the standard questions. But also because May is Mental Health Awareness Month. I have a journey and a story with mental health and mental illness, and it's time for me to share it. Now, Risa has been a good friend for over 10 years and was one of my original guests in the first generation of Working Gratitude. She is a retired educator, consultant, singer, and of course, very talented voiceover artist. Risa, thank you for stepping to the other side of the microphone, so to speak, and for walking me through Working Gratitude.
0: You're quite welcome, Darren. It's really been a gift to be part of this journey in the creation of Working Gratitude. So tell me, what are you grateful for at work today?
1: Well, I first have to say, I have a couple of things that I've thought about. You know, when the tables do get turned, it has been interesting to think about this a little bit. But first, I'm grateful for collaboration. And collaboration is a key value of mine. And collaboration is something I seek to create for the people that I work with. But Neither of you knew that I was going to do this, but I have to thank you for your work on this. Once again, I want to really shout out to you and say a huge thank you to you because I'm very grateful for you. And I'm grateful for Joel Hurd, our audio engineer, who helps this program sound better than the first generation of Working Gratitude. And I'm, I'm particularly grateful for the collaboration with both of you. In addition to that, I am particularly grateful for... Getting to make this work part of a bigger conversation in organizational culture and particularly with nonprofits and their board of directors, I really get to bring working gratitude into coaching situations with individual nonprofit executives and with their boards of directors as I talk with them, be it about fundraising, about strategic planning, and the... The work has just overlapped and come together in a way that I I never intended to be a podcast producer or host. I wanted to bring coaching to the nonprofit sector. And with the marriage of this podcast and the work that I get to do with individual clients, it just gives me a whole lot to be grateful for.
0: So Darren, you mentioned the idea of collaboration. And collaboration, although it has a lot of positive aspects to it, mm-hmm. can offer challenges, especially in a work situation. So what challenge have you faced at work that you can now look at with a lens of gratitude?
1: Well, that is, you're so right. And I'm glad you asked me about that because collaboration is not always easy. And it takes relationship building and I can certainly say that in experiences where I've had challenges in the midst of a collaboration, I've been able to get through them by having solid professional relationships and some relationship building skills, refined and retooled at times. One of the biggest challenges, though, that I really wanted to talk about today being that May is... Mental Health Awareness Month, I think it's time that I share uh, to come out of the darkness a little bit with um, something that was a very difficult time for me over the past year in particular, and that is a challenge with my mental health, what I had considered to be a journey of, of taking very good care of myself. I was in the care of a therapist and a primary care provider that had prescribed Uh, the appropriate medication for me and I was doing my gratitude practice and I was meditating and um, was surrounded by friends and family that loved me. But over the course of about a year and a half prior to May 31st of 2018, I began to have an erosion of my mental health that, that honestly I did not see. And on May 31st, between May 31st and June 2nd, of 2018, I had a major mental health crisis, and it took me down. It was was the hardest thing I've ever dealt with in my life, having dealt with grief and anxiety and depression my entire life. But this journey just slapped me in the face. It was not like a speed bump or a roadblock or a detour, it was a giant pothole and I fell into it and I was paralyzed. And my toolkit was, not only could I not reach for my toolkit or find my toolkit of gratitude and meditation and, and even reaching out to valued and trusted friends and colleagues, I just shut down. And so the learning comes in a couple of places. Um, through through the providers that I already had in place. They were the only tools in the toolkit that I did stay active with. I put aside gratitude. I put aside meditation. I put aside physical fitness and health, um, all of the things that could usually shift me. And I always say that gratitude is a great shifter. But if you just don't have the mental and emotional capacity to deal with um, – the things that were in front of me. And I'll elaborate on that a little bit more in a few minutes, but the toolkit was just invisible. It was no longer available. And so it took almost six months for me to find my toolkit again. And that was, that included uprooting my life and relocating from San Francisco back to Tennessee, where I had the support of some additional family and friends. And, um, it, took several rounds of, of coming off one medication and onto another medication and continuing in really solid therapy and kind of having a deeper level of diagnosis. So just to, again, unveil and speak the words that are hard to sometimes speak and that are so often stigmatized. And in the workplace particularly, we can talk about and sympathize with friends and colleagues who have tragic and devastating losses of a parent, a child, a spouse, a sibling, or who get a cancer diagnosis or a um, heart disease diagnosis. But I will tell you, the mental health diagnosis was a hard one for for me particularly. I was working in a mission that I believed in, but even the depth of the meaning of that mission could not pull me out of this without some additional assistance. So I had to um, rely on the care of others and um, and and kind of rebuild and recollect my toolkit and uh, that that took time but I can tell you that, there is hope and there is light and it it really is in retrospect i can tell you that because i had the toolkit of gratitude and meditation and a number of other practices that i will share more about in an article that i'll be publishing soon on linkedin and other social media that it's important to have the toolkit. So this is another of the learnings, Risa, is that it's important to have the toolkit and have worked the tools before you need them. Because had I had to collect these things, for example, if I had to ha- if I had, had to find a therapist when this crisis hit, it would have been difficult. Um, and let's talk about the crisis a little bit. The crisis for me were a major depressive episode, chronic and debilitating anxiety, and some post-traumatic stress. I had dealt with an issue outside my home in San Francisco of a almost 24-7, very invasive ring of drug dealers who I began to be very, very afraid of. Thankfully, in this part of my journey, I was never in danger of really harming myself, Uh, with suicidal ideation or suicidal thoughts or or intentions. However, I lost capacity for some of my reasoning about what would keep me safe. And what really triggered me was the night that I was afraid that I was going to go confront them and kind of take matters into my own hands. And it scared me to death. And that's what ultimately shut me down. So um, there is lots of learning Um, I hope that by just speaking the words, a major depression episode, um, helping our listeners hear that someone who is committed to a life of grateful living and grateful thinking, I'm still vulnerable to the diseases that are associated with mental illness. And you have to have help. And I'm incredibly grateful that I did have the help of friends and family and resources to seek the therapy and get the medications that I needed. Uh, so that's the the crux of the journey that um, really uh, prompted me to re-enter my coaching and consulting practice, prompted me to relaunch Working Gratitude. And I just think I have a little bit more to share. I have more in my toolkit now. And I'm excited about moving, moving that forward. And it's been a, uh, a hard road the last year. We, you know, this will air at almost the anniversary date of when I really kind of went down. And in some ways, that's by design, because I'm here to tell you that there has been light on the other side for me. And I hope that our listeners will find that as well.
0: I am sure that is so true. And having been part of, although I wasn't by your side during that time, that was the real crisis time, Understanding now that taking this back, taking that power back to say, this is a way I can help others on the anniversary of that and turning it around. You mentioned about the idea that you had to have the tools gathered. So are there things that you were practicing that you said you had let go that have now been reemerging for you? as part of, you know, daily or weekly or a very conscious set of, I don't think I've practiced that in a while. And I, I got to get back to it.
1: Absolutely. And and I will say authentically and sincerely that when I could find my gratefulness again, when I could say I'm grateful that my mother has a home in a smaller town in Tennessee that could extricate me from the toxicity of urban living in San Francisco. San Francisco is a beautiful city to visit and I look forward to going there again, but for me it had become toxic uh, for a number of reasons, not the least of which were were those drug dealers in front of my home, and it took me a while. I, w- I was grateful to my mother, and I said that I was grateful to her, and I was grateful to my friends, but I wasn't in my practice. And for me, the practice is I use an app. When I lived in San Francisco, there was an there's an app from Gratefulness.org that, as I was on a commuter train, I could plant a seed of gratitude and make a little list, and for me, I would kind of journal that on the app, on my phone. And the next day when I would come back to plant my next seed, the seed from the previous day had grown into a sunflower. So it's just, it's simple and fun and playful. But the, the, the key for me about a gratitude practice is keeping it simple and doing it and getting it done. And I lost access to that. I lost the insight uh, or the, the clarity that, that I needed to get back to it. So finally, I did get back to that. Um, I had I had never been an overly active meditator, but I had done enough of it that I knew that that could bring me back to some uh, getting rid of the chatter. The, the meditators call it the monkey mind of where the monkey is just playfully swinging from branch to branch and making you think about everything except yourself and bringing up fears, and then that would trigger anxiety. So the monkey mind was playing its games with me, and, and when I could get back to even one minute of concentration on my breath. And this is funny. One of the ways I came back to that was what I call my toothbrush meditation. I have a <laughs> an electric toothbrush that has a, uh, a built-in two-minute timer, and when I could at least focus on me for the two minutes that I was brushing my teeth, It started to get me back to the mindset of taking two more minutes for me to focus on my breath and not be judgmental of my mind or the thoughts that come up, but to allow them and make peace with them and let them move on so that I could get back to the breath. So those are probably my top two practices. I definitely have some others that I will share in the article that I mentioned earlier but I would say gratitude is the great shifter. And for me, when I could get back to that, it was um, it was documented, as I've talked about on Working Gratitude before, it's documented in research. So intellectually, I started to get back to it first, and then it started to really make a positive impact on my emotional health and well-being.
0: And you mentioned the whole idea of brushing your teeth, and it makes me smile because there's some days at work it's like brushing your teeth you know how to drive there and you know what you're gonna see when you walk in the door and it's the same the same the same the same and then something different happens and it does it's that shift and it really makes sense to me what you're saying is that if it becomes a conscious effort then something that might have seemed mundane might have seen not as friendly can be seen in a whole different light. So shifting from that idea of the work in the workplace, is there a way that you find that you're showing gratitude in the community, either by donating to something or volunteering your services or in other ways to a nonprofit organization? And would you like to kind of share a point of gratitude about that kind of work with the organization?
1: absolutely my i hope any listeners who have listened before and if you're listening for the first time you know that all of my conversations lead to how gratitude overflows from the one expressing it to others in their lives their work colleagues, their family, and ultimately into their community. And for me, that's how mine started this time, too. I, I was able to really express gratitude with my family and, and reconnect with members of my family that I had not been as close to for a while. And then with colleagues that I kind of came out of the darkness of being willing to share with colleagues that I had been out of touch with for six months, some of whom I had talked with daily for four, four or and a half years and um, being able to reconnect with them. But then to the point of my sense of personal philanthropy, I love fundraising and I love nonprofit organizations. And as I thought of what I would do next after leaving my last position, there was just kind of a calling that I needed to take all of the work I've done in my career and uh, channel it back into nonprofits. Naturally, I need to make a living, but I want to make a life first. and. What I've done is reached out to nonprofits in all of the cities that I've lived in uh, and the regions I've lived in, in, in West Tennessee, in Las Vegas, in San Francisco, and I've kind of reintroduced myself to them in my new role, and I've said, I'll have a conversation with you, kind of a pro bono conversation with you as a gift back to Um, having been part of your community and we do some assessment work we do we determine whether there's anyone in their organization that needs uh, maybe some additional coaching so that may lead to some coaching Um, War consulting work and fundraising. But my first intention is to make myself available uh, as a point of service. When you're building a new business, you have less uh, financial abundance to give away. But in contrast, I have some time. And I've been able to do that both in Jackson, Tennessee and in Memphis with some organizations that mean a lot to me. And then I have a very um, sincere commitment to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. My journey of depression and mental illness and in trying to maintain mental health has been significantly served by the research and outreach of the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. And that organization really does, uh, at the front line, uh, coordinate a lot of resources for survivors of suicide, for uh, those who have attempted to take their life by suicide. And um, in many ways, I, I do consider myself a survivor, though I've never gone that deep or dark in my journey since early in probably middle school. Um, I, I, I know how fragile life can be, and I've lost other people. So I am a survivor to the loss of other people. And uh, AFSP.org uh, is an organization that also does a out-of-the-darkness walk. And you've heard me kind of mention that term, but when you're in the depths of depression and anxiety, you can feel like you are absolutely in a dark hole and you don't want to come out of it. And so the out-of-the-darkness overnight walk simulates that in some ways. You start at basically sunset, and you you work overnight and and in the cities around the country where they do those, it's generally about an 18 mile walk and it's designed that then you you walk through the night and you you finish and then at sunup uh, when when you're coming out of the darkness and into the light there's a celebration and I plan to do another one of those. There are. Um, Community walks that don't require quite the commitment of the 18 miles. I did one of the out of the darkness overnight walks back in 2012. And um, as part of my gratitude at that time, when I was doing working gratitude before, and my community of friends, colleagues, clients, and others supported me very generously. And, and as I recall, I raised uh, 3500 or $4,000. And it's very much my intention to uh, get engaged with Uh, the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention, again, to um, advocate for the work that they are doing in mental health awareness and mental illness awareness and suicide prevention and care for the survivors of suicide.
0: Darren, I just know because of your selfless sharing today about your mental health journey and your virtual, and you were saying literal, walk out of your darkness, and how working gratitude has become such a vehicle of hope, encouragement, success. I just know you are going to continue inspiring others to gather that toolkit.
1: Thank you, Risa. I I do very much appreciate the inspiration and, and encouragement that you've given and participating today in a, in a different way um, has been fun. So thank you for, um, for joining me and, and giving me the opportunity to share a little bit more of my story. Thanks very much. And to our listeners, I really do hope that today you've had the opportunity to get to know me a little better. Some of our listeners uh, are well acquainted with me. Some are new to the Working Gratitude conversation. But wherever you are, if you are having a struggle with your mental health or your journey with uh, depression or anxiety and, and don't minimalize it, and, and reach out, reach out to someone who in your community that's close by that can help you and that use the resources that I've mentioned of the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention and during the rest of this month for Mental Health Awareness Month, locate the resources and tools that you need before you need them. And I want to encourage our listeners to continue to support Working Gratitude, tell us how you are working gratitude and bringing gratitude to your workplace, and please continue to listen, subscribe, comment. I really do want to engage you in commenting on these wonderful episodes. We've got some great episodes coming up in the coming weeks with such a diversity of of talented professionals and leaders and authors, and I will preview quickly that there is a a best-selling author coming up that is a whole point of gratitude. and, And that episode will be coming up early in June. So thank you again for listening to Working Gratitude. I'm Darren Hollingsworth, and I'm so grateful for your support. And I want you to take care of yourselves and use Working Gratitude as a resource of light and hope in your life.
0: Darren Hollingsworth has had a thriving career as a financial advisor, sales professional, senior fundraising professional, and nonprofit executive. Now, via business, success, and philanthropy coaching, Darren is passionate about helping successful executives realize and exceed their personal and professional potential. He helps business and nonprofit leaders find and confirm their passion, their inspiration, and motivation. This is accomplished through collaborative work based on gratitude, experience, encouragement, and accountability. As Darren says, surviving is not enough. Thriving is the goal. Additionally, Darren works with businesses, nonprofit organizations, and boards of directors to create new possibilities for transformational customer and donor relationships, organizational strategic visioning and governance, as well as continuity and succession planning. Via collaboration and consulting, Darren engages with clients to empower them to build upon strengths and face challenges with confidence and expertise. To hear more working gratitude and for information about Darren Hollingsworth and Odinata Coaching and Consulting, visit our website odonatacoaching.com or visit us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Odinata Coaching or search wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening to Working Gratitude. Working Gratitude, copyright Darren Hollingsworth and Odinata Coaching and Consulting, all rights reserved.